Hello everyone, I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own, and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading! Hello, my name is Vex and welcome to the Bookworms podcast. we got a lot of stuff for you today. We'll be finding out about the birth of Agent Bigfoot from Amy Winfield. We'll be recommending some big old books for you and we have got a chat with lovely Ruth Lauren as well. But first, it's time to talk to Ian Mark. He's got a brand new book out called Monsters Bite Back and Ian's going to tell us all about the second book in his monster hunting series. I am joined now by the author Ian Mark. Hey Ian, how are you doing? Welcome to Fun Kids. Oh, thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here. Well, I am very excited to have you on Fun Kids because we've spoken before, uh, but never on our radio station. And you are the author of a brand new book called Monsters Bite Back, which is the second in your Monsters series. Um, Can you tell me what do we need to know if you've not read the first one? What do we need to know for the second one? What you need to know is the story is told by a boy called Jack, who... He's always wanted to to meet monsters, but he's always been told that they never exist. And in the first book, he gets his chance to become a monster hunter and he's apprenticed to a 200-year-old, a grumpy 200-year-old monster hunter called Stoop. And they set off to have a new life as monster hunters. And Jack is given a magical book called Monster Hunting for Beginners, which includes details of all the monsters in the world. And every time another monster is found in the world, a new monster, it magically updates to include the monster in the Monster Hunting for Beginners manual. Um, So that's basically the setup of the story. And in the second book, um, they set off on their second adventure when they're sent off to Scotland to deal with creatures called lobbers who are making a nuisance of themselves at an abbey up in the Scottish Highlands. Um, So that's basically the story. And you've got Jack, who is trying to basically stop the end of the world as we know it. Pretty big deal, right? He is, yes. Yes. Although, in a way, it's a sort of joke um, about the fact that so many stories that you read about or you watch films are always about very serious things that are about to happen and the world will end if we don't stop it. And, of course, in the monster hunting books... They're mainly intended, really, as a framework for lots of very, very silly jokes. So nothing's very, very serious. And the end of the world as we know it uh, is never really threatened. Um, But obviously, um, Jack has to deal with the situation anyway. You say you say it's a framework for funny jokes. It is. It's such a funny book. And I love even the fact you do little footnotes and asterisks and you do little extra bits here and there. Is it quite fun to write as well? It is. I mean, I, to be honest, I found writing quite difficult and quite hard. But I do enjoy the added extra bits that you talk about, the footnotes and all the asides and so on. In a way, to me, they're the, the main point of the book um, is all the silly asides and so on. And I think it comes from whenever I have an idea, I always have another idea or an opposite idea and so you end up with too many ideas so then eventually I thought oh you know what I can put all these extra ideas into footnotes and asides and so on so that's how that sort of form came about it just basically comes from not knowing when to shut up really (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say it sounds like you're getting the best of both worlds because you get all of your jokes and all of your thoughts in there then 
Exactly, yes, because sometimes you have, I have a joke and a funny idea, and then I think, oh, there's another idea. Um, I wonder which one's better. And then I think, oh, I'll just use them both. <laughs> that's, to be fair, that's pretty savvy. I think a lot of authors are listening right now thinking, oh, yeah, that's a good yeah. idea. Let's steal that. Um, you've also, of course, got loads of monsters in the book. Can you tell us a little bit about the monsters we expect to meet? Um, well, in the new book, as I say, Jack goes off to meet um, creatures called lobbers, who are sort of like the spirits of little monks who create mischief in abbeys. Um, they like to come out at night and drink all the drink and eat all the food in the kitchen and throw plates about and smash them and do things like that. Um, and then there's, because we're in Scotland, obviously the most famous monster in Scotland, the Loch Ness Monster. And in this book, there's a Loch Ness Monster, so-called because she's much smaller than the Loch Ness Monster and... She lives in a lake called Loch Ness. And <laughs> deep in the water in Loch Ness, there is lots of creatures living down there too, um, including a, an amazing queen called Borborygmus. Um, um, and Louis Jabot, who, who does the pictures for this book, he's drawn an amazing, amazing picture of her. Um, and yes, it's all collywobbles and lots of monsters with very silly names. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about this because obviously some are from kind of folklore, but some are maybe made up by you. I think yes. maybe because you never know. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I did wonder: do you yourself have a monster hunting book? Just just where you put all of your notes for all of your monsters? I do. I have a notebook and I write down monsters. As you say, some of them are real, um, and I write down ones that particularly interest me, and then some of them that I just completely make up. So, for in the first book, for example, there's a giant fart doodle and a crusted hairy snot nibbler and things like that. So if I ever get those sort of ideas, I just write those down. Um, in the new book, um, the monsters, creatures called the fog goblins as well. And just in terms of sort of where I get my ideas from, it, I think about 20 years ago, it could be even longer, I had a dream that um, I was reading a book called the fog goblins. And I woke up and I instantly jotted that down, the fog goblins, because I thought it, it was a funny name and eventually got the chance to use it <laughs> in the new book. It's really funny you should mention that because I was going to ask you about the fog goblins. So I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> delighted you've, you've brought them up. That's excellent for me. Um, and tell me, do you have any more books planned in the series? Do we, will we going to see Jack again? Yes, I'm currently writing the next book in the series, which is all about dragons. I've nearly finished that one. So that will be coming out in the next year or so. And then really whether there are more books um, depend on whether children enjoy the series. I mean, I'd love to write more um, if children want to read them. I'm sure they do. Um, I'm absolutely convinced of it. We do have a little thing on Fun Kids, a little quiz, kind of this or that quiz, mm -hmm. um, which I didn't get to do with you last time we spoke. And I wondered whether we could do that now, if that's OK. Sure, that would be great. All right, OK. Now, it's just to get a feel for who you are as an author. No stress. There's, there's no wrong answer. <laughs> there are no wrong answers. That's what you'll tell me. <laughs> I will judge you, obviously. Yes, of course. With all of them. Uh, books or Kindles? Oh, well, this is interesting. Um, books, I mean, I do prefer to read um, an actual book. But sometimes, like when I go on holiday or something, you can put hundreds of books on a Kindle. So I do, I do enjoy the convenience of that. And sometimes when I'm reading books for, for adults, um, I will read them on Kindle. But for... Things like, um, I read a lot of poetry, for example. So poetry and children's books and things like that. I prefer to read the book. Good answer. All right. Okay. Uh, good start. Heroes or villains? Oh, villains, always. <laughs> um, they're, well, they're always the most fun to write about. And 
you know, sometimes it can be quite hard writing a story when, you know, if the main characters have to be good. Um, so I do like the fact that Jack's quite mischievous and he has a mischievous sense of humour because he gets to say sort of, you know, funny things that make him a little less of a goody two-shoes. But yes, the villains in the first book, there's a, a woman called Aunt Prudence who I'm absolutely convinced she's the hero of the story, really, because um, she's so vile and horrible. And yes, in the second book, there's a few there's a few sort of good villains too. And I, yeah, I love writing villains. So yeah, villains. <laughs> very fun to write and to read, I imagine. Um, film adaptation or TV adaptation? Um, film, probably. Yeah, I love watching films. I don't really watch television very much um, because I get fed up if there are too many episodes. <laughs> um, so I love to just watch a film and know that 90 minutes later it's over and then I can go and watch something else completely different. Um, so yeah, films. Very good answer. Uh, mermaids or the boneless? Oh, well, the boneless is in the new book. This is a brilliant monster. And this this sort of does exist in, in real life. Um, but I've adapted it in this. It's, it's basically a monster that can take any shape whatsoever. So you never quite know what you're dealing with. You could, you know, I could meet you and you might be a boneless or... Um, you could be walking down the street and someone passes you and they're actually a boneless or you see a nice friendly cat or a bunny rabbit, but it's actually a boneless and they're fierce and, you know, um, man-eating sort of monsters. Um, so, yeah, I think a boneless because um, they can hide in plain sight, really. Yeah, that's a, it's a really good idea for a, for a monster, I have to say. Um, beginnings or endings? Beginnings. I love the beginnings of stories. And they're always my favourite bit of a book to even to write or to read. I, I love a beginning. And, it, it, you know, when the whole book, the whole story is set up and you, you get the voice of the characters and so on, and then they set off on whatever adventure they're doing. And then I tend to get a bit bored in the middle sometimes. Um, and then by the end, again, it picks up and, you know, you, you sort of gallop towards the end. So I've always been very conscious of the fact that a middle of a book can be quite hard to get through because, you you know, the beginning, you're really into a book and then it can sometimes get bogged down. So with Monster Hunter for Beginners, I just threw in more and more jokes as I went along so that nobody would get bored in the middle. <laughs> oh, good tactic. I like it. Um, <laughs> laptop or write by hand? Um, I have a desktop and I do write um, on on the desktop computer it's a big old clunky desktop and um but i do make lots and lots of notes by hand and i have like a notebook and i carry with me everywhere and i i i do sometimes wish that i would write by hand but it's actually quite sore on your wrist after a while yeah, <laughs> yeah if you're not used to it anymore it's really hard work it is because nobody really writes that much anymore everybody's on on devices or laptops or computers yes yeah, so you just get used to sort of tapping away it's a very different experience writing with hand than writing on a computer. It sort of looks different. But yes, for convenience, just bang it straight onto the keyboard. <laughs> I was going to say, get it straight in there. Absolutely. Uh, Paddington Bear or Winnie the Pooh? Oh, well, those would be two of my favourite books, I think, when I was young. That's very hard to choose. <laughs> um, I I think I love Winnie the Pooh because it's very, very funny. Um and I think the characters, there's so many great characters. I mean, Paddington Bear is an amazing character, and I love the Paddington Bear books. But I think Winnie the Pooh, because there's so many great characters like Eeyore and Tigger and Owl and Kangaroo and Roo. I can go through them all, and it's just it's very, very funny. 
and endlessly rereadable. Yeah, that's, that, I find that question quite tricky, actually. So that, that's a yes. very good answer. <laughs> um, finally, the last one is the most important one of all. Salt and vinegar or cheese and onion? Oh, gosh. I'd have to say cheese and onion. Although oh, if, no. <laughs> yes, but you see, I, if I had given a free choice, I like ready salted crisps. Um, ready salted is the best flavour ever. And you don't need any other flavour, really. But if you force me to choose between salt and vinegar, because salt and vinegar makes your lips sore. <laughs> oh, okay, you know what? Because you've shown your workings like a good kind of maths <laughs> exam, I will let you off for that. <laughs> and I will next time I see you, I will offer you some ready salted crisps, Ian, because I know That's what good. you prefer now. They're definitely the best flavour. I, I won't have any debate about this. I am. I am partial. I, you know what? I'm. I'm going to admit to you. I had a prawn cocktail flavor crisp the other day, and it was delicious. And I was like, "Where has this been all my life?" So basically, as long as you're eating crisps, you're, you're winning. So you don't have to, you know. Yeah, there's basically. no bad flavors. <laughs> I, absolutely, I agree with you. Uh, well, Ian, Mark, thank you so much for t- talking to us all about Monsters Bite Back, and hopefully, uh, we will see you for many more Monsters books in the series as well. Oh, thank you so much. I hope so. <laughs> it was lovely to talk to you. Me too. Hello, everyone. I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading. Lovely stuff. Thank you so much to Ian and Mark. Now, Ruth Lauren has left us a little voice note all about her brand new book. So let's give it a listen and also get an exclusive reading from the first chapter. Hi, I'm Ruth Lauren, the author of Tourmaline and the Island of Elsewhere. It's the first book in a series and it's about a girl whose explorer mother goes missing while she's on a mission hunting for precious artefacts. No one else is going to rescue her, so Tourmaline just has to do it herself. My favourite part to write was when Tourmaline and her friends sneak on board a ship. She's hoping to hide there, but what she doesn't realise is that it belongs to a crew of female pirates. And it's really exciting, because if she gets caught, Tourmaline might never get to a mysterious magical island to rescue her mother. And this is how Tourmaline and the Island of Elsewhere starts. Chapter 1. It was Professor Aladeus's own fault that Tourmaline was on her way to spy on him. If he hadn't given her that strange look on his way past the music room before hurrying on into the depths of the university, she wouldn't be crawling through a particularly narrow part of the space between to reach his study. She had discovered the space between by accident after almost getting caught in one of the strictly out-of-bounds display rooms of the university museum. She'd had to hide in a mercifully empty sarcophagus, which she'd quickly found wasn't a sarcophagus at all. At least, it wasn't only a sarcophagus. She'd rolled right out of it into the space between and learned that hidden inside Pelivere's university walls was a possibly magical echo of its many dusty halls and corridors. The space between had since proved to be very useful indeed. However, the wonder of its existence wasn't in the forefront of her mind as she reached her destination. She left via the exit in the master's study and crouched uncomfortably inside the musty magician's disappearing box. It was getting to be quite a squeeze since she'd turned twelve, but she wasn't about to let a little thing like size get in her way. Professor Aladeus was already there, pacing, and he wasn't alone. There's been no contact at all. The other person was Professor Sharma, the geography professor, who was much younger and much taller and much more nervous than Professor Aladeus. Nothing for an entire week, said Professor Aladeus. 
simply vanished without a trace. His voice was high and clear, so Tourmaline's sharp ears had no trouble hearing him from her hiding place. Tourmaline had arrived part way through the conversation, so she didn't know who or what had vanished, which was an inconvenience, but one she decided not to hold against either professor, since she hadn't exactly been invited to take part in the discussion. Now, seeing as we're hearing from lots of lovely authors today, I thought we should also check in with Amy Winfield. Amy is over in Texas, so she sent us a voice note all about her brand new book, The Birth of Agent Big Book. Hello, I'm author Amy Winfield. I write books for children, teens, and the young at heart from ages 1 to 100. The Birth of Agent Big Butt, Butt of Steel, Heart of Gold, published by Packed House Publications, is available now. The birth of Agent Big Butt follows our superhero, A.B., and his best friends, Alex and Theodore. This loving, walking, talking newborn must learn to navigate his superpowers. Meanwhile, he must fight bullies and an evil doctor desperate to discover the secret behind his powers. One of the main reasons I wrote this story came from a time I visited my grandmother in a nursing home. My one-year-old daughter at the time was so full of energy and she brought smiles to many of the residents. One by one, they came over to where we were, intrigued by this happy young child. Later, thinking about that visit, the story of a loving baby that could walk, talk, and reason like a grown-up came to mind. There were many points to consider. How would he look, his personality? But one thing was for sure, he had to be smart, fair, and most importantly, loving. In time, it became the story it is today. Here's an excerpt from chapter one. My life, like all babies, began in the womb. It was nice in there. I had food, water, and perfect weather. There was a jump rope connected to my navel to help me get in shape. And then, a few days before I was born, I got this giant comfy chair that followed me everywhere. I had it made. But despite all that great stuff, I still wanted out. Why? It was getting a little cramped. And it sounded so much more fun out there. Lately, mom's always up in the wee hours of the night, even though I try to make her nights easy by sleeping as sound as, well, a baby. But the night I was born, I was so restless. I kept my mom up all night. She tossed and turned until I felt her get up. Ooh, I hope she reads me another story. I love stories. But after a few seconds, Mr. Nat King Cole's soothing voice filled the room. Mom's pace matched the slow rhythm of the music. After a few minutes, the music turned off. Now I could hear her waking dad. Where are we going now, mom? Hey, take it easy out there. Even with all this padding, I can feel every bump. Why are you rushing? Are you headed to the store again? (sighs) Not another late night snack of Twizzlers, guacamole and vegan tuna, whatever that is, and red dirt sandwiches. Just once, can you forget that awful dirt? Even dad told you it's not good for me. And didn't the doctor tell you to go easy on the snacks? I know you haven't told him about your dirt eating habit. I mean, come on, who eats dirt while pregnant? My mom does. Okay, the Twizzlers are fine, but the other crap, yuck. 
How can you eat that stuff? How can you make me eat that junk? I can't wait to be born. You'll see. All your weird food binging has made me fat. Even with all my jump roping, I can't lose weight. I'm going to be one fat baby. Watch. Come to think of it, isn't it about time I got paroled? I've been in here for nine months and haven't been sprung yet. All this waiting is for the birds. I want out. According to the calendar on the wall, I'm due any day. Wait a second. I'm due today. And yet, here I sit, getting fatter off nasty food and crappy red dirt. Oh, well, might as well make the best of it. It's time for a snack and a nap. Just when I begin to nod off, a flash of light wakes me. Hey, what's going on out there? Turn that light out. Wait, where's that light coming from? I can see light at the end of the tunnel. Oh boy, it's time. Yes, it's time. Goodbye, old womb. I'm out of here. It's time to be born. All right, doc. I'm ready. Here, take my feet. Be careful and don't pull too hard. That's it. That's it. Keep pulling. Keep pulling. I'm almost out. Bop. What was that? Hey, doc. I'm stuck. I'm caught on something. Pull, Doc, pull. He's not pulling, but he's sure talking up a storm. What in the world could he be talking about that's more important than getting me out of here? Wait, what is he saying? Mr. and Mrs. Flatbottom, we have a problem. Your son is stuck. No kidding, I just said that. But what's got me stuck? Your son has an extremely large butt. Now, before I let you go, I've got to tell you about some other books that are coming out at the moment. Quiet Storm by Kimberly Whittam is uh, for children who struggle with shyness. So in the book, you've got Storm. Storm's life is pretty crazy and it's surrounded by loud and outspoken people. Yet she's always very quiet and life is very normal until one day Storm wins a sports competition and suddenly gets the spotlight thrown onto her and now it's time to speak up I like the idea of that there's also a brand new book from Lizzie Huxley-Jones called Vivi Conway and the Sword of Legend it's the first book in a brand new series inspired by Welsh myths Oh my goodness, I love a good Welsh myth. So in this book, uh, you've got 12-year-old Vivi. She is moving from Wales to London and she's investigating a mysterious call from the lake in the night. Uh, dun, dun, dun. I think that sounds pretty good as well, right? And that's all the time we've got on today's Bookworms podcast. Big thank you to Ian Mark, Ruth Lauren and Amy Winfield. And of course, to you for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do tell your friends about it. And remember to like, subscribe and follow wherever it is you're listening. I'll see you soon. Bye. Hello everyone, I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own, and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading!